What's up, everyone? Welcome to Sports Snobs. I'm Pat. He's Kaz. We're your hosts. Check us out on Twitter at Sports Snob Pat and at Sports Snob Kaz. Follow us. Subscribe to the podcast. Check us out on YouTube. And of course, let us know what you think of the show. We're with you for the next 40 minutes covering the biggest sports topics and headlines from the past week. And man, was there a lot going on this past week. So let's jump right in. Let's start off with the NFL Week 10 recap. And of course, the game of the week for the second straight week, in my opinion, Bills Cardinals, also known as the Hale Murray game. What do you think has best play of the year, best game of the year? What are your thoughts? I'm going to say best play so far. Uh, we got, what, seven weeks left? Yes, it was a great play. Um, DeAndre Hopkins made a great play. That's why you trade for him. Best game, not really sure. Um, three defenders around him. How do you not knock it down? Uh, if I'm the defender in the front, I'm waiting for Hopkins to go up. As he's coming down, I'm jumping up and punching it. Uh, but they all went for the ball, and none of them can jump over a Sunday newspaper. Uh, so it was pretty, uh, pretty uh, ugly. Um, but yeah, it was a very entertaining game. Um, yeah, I I did not see that result happening. Um, I know you didn't like the kneel down at the end, but we'll talk about that uh, later in the week. Uh, but yeah, that that that's my take on that game. Yeah, it was that was good. I mean, the Bills. They just have a knack for 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 getting themselves in these close close scoring games. Uh, last week, not so much, you know, close, not so close as it was. Just exciting in general, but um, their games in general are, are relatively close. And the Cardinals, I mean, just like that, we're looking at a three way tie for first place in the NFC West after uh, the result of the other game that week from the NFC West. But yeah, I agree with you. I think. Best play of the year so far, definitely. DeAndre Hopkins is an absolute beast. I think he wears like a 5XL glove. So uh, I don't know how much you can blame the defenders on that one. I mean, it, it's it's tough. They were in position. They, they just couldn't out-jump them, couldn't get their hand on the ball. But uh, we'll Punch see. He comes down, my friend. That's how you defend it. Yeah. Punch you, it out. Yeah. yeah. But uh, we'll see. This you is an exciting team. It's an exciting team, the Cardinals. Uh, Kyler Murray is – is, I mean, like I said last week, I, he might be creeping up there in the MVP talks. But um, speaking of the NFC West, another, I don't want to say exciting game, but good game, the Seahawks, the Rams. So Rams come out on top. Um, very competitive game, very physical game. What are, your, what are your thoughts on, did the winner of that game, the Rams, make a statement and say that they are the best team and the team most most um, ready, I guess, to to take over that division and, and ultimately win the NFC West. So I don't know what's going on with the Seahawks, okay? Um, they play great some weeks. They play horrible some weeks. Their defense is horrible every week. So uh, that said, um, I'm not going to take the Rams over them yet. Seattle was down their top two running backs. I think that made a huge difference. Um, are they a contender, the Rams? Absolutely. Um, but can I crown them over Seattle as of right now? Not yet. You still got Russell. You still got hopefully Carson and Hyde come back. Uh, you got Lockett and Metcalf. Um, so I'm not going to crown them after that win over a depleted offense. Um, hopefully their defense starts to pick it up for Seattle because if not, you know, they're going to be one of those teams that uh, they'll get into the playoffs but not make it far because playoff football is a lot different than regular season football. Yeah, I mean, and when you say pick it up defensively, I mean, all they really have to do is is hold the other team to like 21, 24 points usually, right? Uh, that would have been close this past week, but the way that offense – fires on all cylinders when they're healthy to your point uh it's impressive but i i think i th i don't know if the rams are going to win the division but if you look at the divisional records so far now a lot of games left to play but the cardinals are 2-0 in the division 
The Rams are one and one. The Seahawks are one and two. That can come back to 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 really bite them. I mean, they could they can end up sweeping, you know, the second half of the season, 49ers, Cardinals, Rams, and go four and two and and take the division. But I mean, just like we've seen seen in the past, those that divisional record can really come back to haunt you. And right now, it looks like the Rams, albeit they they played one last game against the division, are, are in a better position than the Seahawks. So we'll see. That defense is see. Is I don't really. I argue Arizona over the Rams, but Seattle is still number one. That's just my take. All right. So you see it, Seattle. Arizona and then the Rams. Interesting. So you, basically, this week did nothing for you. You're just keeping it as it was. All right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. We'll see. Seahawks got to pick it up defensively. They absolutely have to. Uh, they shouldn't be this bad. They're historically bad. It's uh, and Russell Wilson. I mean, I think he's broken. I don't know what's going on with him. Don't but, see that. He's my fantasy quarterback. Come on, dude. That's don't why I'm saying that. it. That's why I'm saying it. I got to put it out there. No, he's he's got to get it together. He's got to be better. And, and you have to think that he will, right, just historically speaking. I mean, he's never played so bad three games straight. So we'll see if he can pick it up this week. Another game involving some questionable quarterback play, uh, the Ravens and the Patriots. First of all, I don't know how they even finished that game with that storm. That was absolutely ridiculous. The sideways rain, the field was flooded. Uh, no, lightning. no lightning. You could play if there's no lightning. That's how so, it is. For sure. Yeah. I just I don't know how the players were able to even function. It's not, at one point it was it was it was crazy. The rain was literally going sideways. It looked like there was a tornado. But in any event, after about 25 drops and 60 minutes of football, the Patriots pulled off the upset. So what are your thoughts on the Ravens? Are they in trouble. Absolutely. I mean, Lamar forgot how to throw the ball. Um, he's looking worse than his rookie year throwing the ball. Um, part of that is they don't have a wide receiver. Hollywood Brown is not a number one wide receiver. He's a great complimentary wide receiver, but he is not a starting wide receiver. Um, so are they in trouble? Absolutely. And that storied defense of the Ravens, how do you not know that Cam Newton is going to run the ball on an RPO, on a draw, on everything like that, and you don't stop him? Um, I was very embarrassed by the Ravens' defense um, more than I was Lamar because I thought Lamar outshot uh, his real production last year when he won the MVP. But uh, the defense, normally they have a stout defense, and uh, I, I didn't see it this week. I did not see it this week. Yeah, it's tough to watch the Ravens struggle against the Patriots who just struggled against the Jets. Like, I know football doesn't always make sense that way where you can take one week and say, hey, they beat this team, so they should beat this team. But – I mean, it's the Jets, and they, they had a bye week, and yet they still find themselves in our conversation. But it, it, it you're absolutely right. It's rough. It, it was tough to watch, but they're definitely in trouble, right? Because the, the division is essentially – that's a wrap, right? Unless there's a monumental collapse by the Steelers. I mean, crazier things have happened, but let's just – Ben has two hurt knees. You never know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I just – I mean, they're three games up, essentially. They've beaten them head-to-head undefeated in the division, but even so we can, let's say we threw away the division and gave it to the Steelers, even the wild card, the dolphins, the Titans, the Raiders and the Browns all sitting there at six and three. Now I think the Ravens are better than, than the Browns, obviously, right? Head to head. They clearly were the better team. I think they're better than the Titans, but the way the dolphins are playing, especially defensively and the way the Raiders are playing offensively, I don't know if I would necessarily pick them over those teams. Now there are three wild cards this year because of the seventeen playoff, but still, that's a that's tough. That's tough. And it's going to come down to the wire. Eighth. There might be an eighth if we lose a week for COVID. Yeah, they might be hoping for that at this point because this is this is <laughs> tough. This is a close race. But on the other side of the ball, you had the Patriots, who, like we said, come out on top. It was sloppy. It was it was predictable. Um, with Cam running the ball, only throwing for like 120, 
20 yards or something like that. Um, Jacoby Myers throwing the touchdown pass. So the Patriots, are they, are they creeping back into, into the playoff picture here? Absolutely not. Unless the AFC East gets three teams in the playoffs, there's no way they get into the playoffs. Yes, they just beat the Ravens. But like you mentioned, they barely beat the Jets. Um, I mentioned the Ravens do not have a number one wide receiver. The Pats don't have a number one, number two, number three. They don't have anybody, okay? And even if they did, I don't know if I would trust Cam Newton throwing the ball or Lamar Jackson more right now. Um, So... Yeah, no, I don't see it. I think this was a lucky win for them. Um, I don't know how in that weather the Ravens did not stop the run and know the run was coming. Um, Every other defense knows the game plan going in now. Let Cam throw the ball. And uh, they they won't make it unless we go to an 8-9-10 team playoff. Um, That's just my thoughts. Yeah, I, I I I have a hard time counting out the Patriots, especially when we're only heading into Week Eleven, right? Uh, yes, you're you're right. I mean, all your points are valid, but again, look at the division. Now, I don't think they'll make the wild card. I think their only shot would be to win the division, and it sounds crazy, but the Bills just lost. Patriots almost beat the Bills, and I know I just said that you can't really use that logic, but in a, in a divisional game. I don't know. In, in December, I mean that that could go that could go either way, especially if you have similar weather to what we had last week. But the Patriots are two and one in the division. Dolphins are one and two. So again, you could have some crazy tiebreaker stuff going on towards the end of the season, and and we'll see. But I have a hard time counting out the Patriots, especially under under Bill Belichick. That's because you love the Patriots. You're you're a closet Patriots fan. I know you are. Yeah, I don't mind them. <laughs> Speaking of closet fans, uh, I know your your fandom of the Dolphins is questioned from time to time. Uh, so, Chargers Dolphins this past week, kind of an underwhelming game. I think it, it wasn't as exciting as I thought it would be with Tua facing off with Herbert. But after watching that game, do you think that Herbert? should still be leading the rookie of the year discussions? I'm going to say Herbert and Burrow are the clear choices right now. Um, That's just my thoughts. The Dolphins' defense is surprisingly good. They really are. Uh, And they're actually helping Tua come along because Tua doesn't have to do too much. Burrow, Herbert... They have to do everything. So their numbers are up there. That's why they're at the top of the race. Um, I'm going to say if if Tua gets the Dolphins into the playoffs, gets them a division, gets them into the playoffs, maybe even wins a round, um, he might win it. And uh, right now he doesn't have the numbers. He does not. But the Dolphins are doing a smart thing and bringing him along slowly because they can, because the defense and special teams – is really helping them. Um, but in three weeks, who knows? They might unleash him and he might uh, show up to be that guy that uh, they they thought they were drafting. But uh, I think it's a very smart move for them to ease him in. But uh, it's between Herbert and Burrow as I sit after week 10. Yeah, I wish I could disagree, uh, but I, I think you're right. I, I think the problem with Burrow is the division he plays in. He's going to play another game against the Steelers where he's going to look just as – I don't want to say he looked bad. I mean, he couldn't really – what was he supposed to do, right, against one of the – if not the best defense in the NFL. So he's going to struggle in the next game to play against the Steelers. He's going to struggle in the next game to play against the Ravens, likely. So I think his schedule does no favors for him. Whereas with Herbert, he has a chance to kind of pad his stats out in the AFC West. Yeah, the Chiefs are there, but the Chiefs are not a you know a great defensive team. And if they get some garbage time, throw a couple touchdowns the last five minutes. So I have to agree. I think I think Herbert is still the leader. I think Tua would probably finish second before Burrow would, if the schedule pans out how we expected to, with Burrow struggling with the rest of the AFC North. I thought a running back was going to be in there. I really did. Like 
after the draft, I thought one of those running backs that went mid to late round and then with uh, uh, Edwards Hilaire coming out week one as well as he did, I thought that was going to happen. But uh, no, it's it's all uh, it's all quarterbacks again. Yeah. The same thing every year for all the award, all the offensive awards, but we'll see. Um, speaking of running backs, Christian McCaffrey, I know member of your fantasy team, out another game might be. I think he's out next week as well. But this past week, Bucks Panthers. I, I don't know. I don't know who the Bucks are. I, I, I from a week to week basis, I, I can't tell. They're so inconsistent. They lose. They struggle against the Giants. They lose to the Bears. But we're not even going to talk about today. But geez, that game on Monday was awful. <laughs> and then they go out and just they put up 48, 46 points on the Panthers. Now I know the Panthers aren't, you know, anything to write home about, but to put up 40 points in a game and, and make it look easy, I I don't know. Who do you think the Bucs are? Do you think they're the team that struggles against the weaker teams or the team that dominates the mediocre teams? I think they are a team who is still finding themselves. Uh, you have Evans, who was injured for a lot of the time. You had Godwin was injured. Uh, Gronkowski came off of uh, retirement. Um, Brady, no training camp with that offense. Um, so they have phenomenal weapons, right? Uh, Ronald Jones blew up this week. Um he had a fumble early in the game, but they stuck with him, and it paid off. He almost had 200 yards rushing. Uh, I hate to say it because I hate Tom Brady with a passion, um, but I think the more he plays with that offense, he's going to get more comfortable. He's going to get those wide receivers, those tight ends in, and I haven't mentioned the wild card yet, which is Antonio Brown. Um I think that if they can control him and he doesn't kill the locker room, I think they have a chance to potentially be the first team to play a Super Bowl in their home stadium. I don't think that's going to happen, but there's a chance as they mature and get more familiar with each other. Yeah, that's that's a that's an interesting point you make because I mean, given the way 2020 has gone with COVID. I mean, how crazy would it be that for the first time in NFL history, the team gets to play, the team in the Super Bowl is playing at their home stadium and there's no fans allowed. I mean, just imagine the frustration. Dude, dude when it's a Super Bowl, you don't get your home fans. You get the corporate sponsors. So it doesn't really matter in the Super Bowl. It's a neutral site when it's the Super Bowl, my friend. It's the, it's the, it's the home field advantage during the playoffs. I don't think it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, but there's still probably a couple thousand fans who, I mean, that would just be crazy to experience. They but can pump in that noise. They're allowed, what, 70 wow. decibels? They can pump that in. Yeah, I'm sure they will. Uh, another takeaway from that game, Teddy Bridgewater goes down. Um, I, I don't think there was any structural damage from what I'm reading, and he might actually play this week. So definitely good news to see there. But speaking of a more significant injury, uh, the Saints 49ers game, what looked like a questionable roughing the passer call on the field actually turned out to be a little bit more significant for the Saints. And it it appears Drew Brees has several broken ribs or fractured ribs and a punctured or a collapsed lung. And he's going to be out for at least a few weeks. And you saw who took over. Famous Jameis, Jameis Winston taking over. Didn't, you know... I guess lose the game for his them. Cookies. His cookies are awesome, dude. But uh, his cookies might be awesome, but his stats last year weren't so great. So, what do you think about Jameis Winston starting this week and likely a couple weeks after that uh, for the Saints in place of Drew Brees? I'm going to start off with the penalty that you mentioned. Horrible call. Uh, I wouldn't even call it questionable. You can't hit the quarterback low. You can't hit. You can't even accidentally hit your hand to his helmet. He ran into him chest to chest. Yes, did Drew Brees get hurt? That's football. You get hurt sometimes. Um, what do you want a defensive lineman to do? Do you want him to just tag him? Put a flag on the goddamn quarterback if that's how you're going to do it. Um, but as for Jameis Winston, I'm not worried about it. 
Uh, I think Sean Payton finds a way to utilize his talents. I also think he develops packages for Taysom Hill to get more reps, maybe actually throw the ball once this year. But, um, I mean, Winston, yeah, he threw 30-something interceptions last year, but he threw 30-something touchdowns. Uh, but he played from behind a lot in Tampa Bay. His whole career in Tampa Bay, he played behind. So he had to force the ball. He had he was behind a lot. Um, so I think now he got dump downs to Kamara. He has, you know, he had great wide receivers in Tampa Bay. Nobody is Michael Thomas. Nobody. Maybe Hopkins. Maybe DeAndre Hopkins. Um, so I think Peyton, with the way he programs the offense and getting those weird packages in with Hill is going to help him. And he won't be playing behind, so he can actually control the game. Um, so I'm not worried. And I think Drew is only going to be out for three games. That's my my diagnosis from my medical expertise. Uh, yes, thank you. Thank you, Dr. Dr. Kaz. Um, yeah, three. if he's out the next three games, we're looking at the Falcons, the Broncos, and the Falcons again. So there's the silver lining, right? Going up against the Falcons team that – ranks in the bottom third of the league in takeaways with only 10 on the season. So you could see that and say, okay, well, you know, we can, we can probably, you know, deal with Jameis, uh, but I, I can't get last year out of my head with Jameis Winston, uh, especially because I'm a Giants fan and I, I saw similar issues with Daniel Jones. So it's just hard for me to but try. Me. Look at how he turned it around. You're absolutely right. He did turn it around, but it's I don't know. It's James Winston. Coach, different system, yeah. getting it the right way. I mean, uh, Sean Payton knows how to how to game plan and how to do that. And uh, I mean, Ronald Jones blew up this week, but who do you have last year? Uh, Peyton Barber is his number one running back. Is he even in the league anymore? Like I don't even think Washington starts him or suits him up anymore. Um, so I, I think they'll be okay. I think they go – if Drew Brees is out four weeks, I'm going to say they go two and two, and they'll be able to hold off the Bucks enough. Yeah, I mean, let's hope let's hope that they, that they can so that division doesn't start to slip away. Speaking of it, a division that's slipped away, but not necessarily away from anyone in the division, just from the rest of the league, Giants-Eagles game. I mean, it was actually, as a Giants fan, obviously, it was an entertaining game. It, it wasn't terrible like some prior weeks, but the Eagles looked terrible. And Carson Wentz looks extreme, like something's, it looks like something's wrong. I don't know if he's, he's just not trusting the offense, but is it fair to say that the Giants are the best team in the terrible NFC East? So... Does it really matter who's the best in the NFC East? Does it? Because whoever it is, yeah, you'll get the third seed and you'll lose in the first round. But the one thing I'm going to say about the game is, yeah, Carson Wentz looks bad. I guess there's two things I'll say. Carson Wentz looks bad, but he has nobody. Fulgham, who is – was he undrafted? Was he a seventh-round pick? I forget. He's their number one wide receiver. They got nobody. Um Miles Sanders came back this week, but he still didn't look uh, completely healthy. He played a great game. But the other thing I'm going to say is the Giants, they're going to kill poor Daniel Jones. They gotta, he is not that type of guy to run him through the tackles as much as they do. He's going to get popped. He's going to get killed. And... um. Now you're not even going to be tanking for Trevor. You're going to be hoping that at you know the number ten and number uh, number eleven pick, you get somebody. But um, yeah, it was. I, I don't even watch the NFC East anymore. The only thing I watched this week was Alex Smith. Uh, I thought that was a great story. Him coming back after that horrific injury uh, and being a starter again. But other than that, I don't care about the NFC East. Yeah, I have to because I'm a Giants fan, so I'm going to continue to care. <laughs> but, I mean, the Giants have arguably, at this point in the season, the best quarterback in the division. And I know none of this says much, but best quarterback, easily the best defense in the division, and probably the best special team. So 
I don't know. It, it overall, it probably looks the brightest for them. Had it not been for that stupid tie that we saw earlier in the year from Philadelphia, which I hated, but Doug Peterson could end up being looking like an absolute genius for just basically forfeiting the win that game against Cincinnati and saying, you know what, I'll take the tie and I'll take my chances with this terrible division that we're in. See, I don't, I don't even say that the tie wins the Eagles the division. I say Ingram wins the the division for the Eagles because he dropped that pass. Had he not, the Giants are in first place with what a two game lead in the division, something like that. So that's what that's what's going to win the Eagles the division is Evan Ingram not being able to catch an easy ball that um, even you could have caught when I threw it to you back in the days, Pat. Yeah. Yeah. No excuse for that. He's uh, but he has, he's, he's been playing much better as I'm sure, you know, uh, being as on your fantasy team, I don't know if you've started him, but he's coming around. He's, he's, he's picking it up. So hopefully he keeps that momentum moving forward, moving on to NCAA football. And we'll start off in the state of Florida and we'll start with Miami. Another close win, close game, barely won, but they're sitting there at 7-1, and one, number 12 in the country. Their only loss is to Clemson. Do you think that Miami is not being talked about enough? No. No, I think that number 12 fits them perfectly. They got blown out by Clemson. Uh, they're number three in that division. Unless Notre Dame has a horrible loss a horrible loss or Clemson loses again, which Trevor is back. So you don't expect that it's going to be Notre Dame and Clemson in the final. So Miami at 12, I think that's exactly where they should be. Um, I don't know. What else do you want from them? They're number three in the ACC and they're not getting to the championship game. So there's nothing else to talk about. Yeah, the problem is they have they have those teams ahead of them in the rankings like Oregon, who's sitting there two and zero, and Ohio State three and zero, and it's just and granted they're probably better teams overall, but it's just tough seeing that you've played six more games and you're maybe six rankings behind a team or, or at least several. So yeah, I mean they're barely winning. They they've won their last three games by a combined nine points. So. I think they are right where they should be, but the shortened schedule for the other conferences is just – it's hard to 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 look at that and then have Miami sitting there behind them. But moving on – yeah, yeah. Moving on to another uh, Florida school, we'll look at Florida Gators, and quarterback Kyle Trask looks – he looks unbelievable. Playing in the SEC especially. Now it's the weaker SEC division in the SEC, SEC East, but – all that being said, 28 touchdowns in six games and only three interceptions. Do you think that he is the Heisman favorite? I don't believe so. So you mentioned earlier um, about the games, right, and the inconsistency with how many games played. Yes, his stats are up there, but he has played more games than Justin Fields. He's played more games than Trevor Lawrence. So, yes, his stats, his touchdowns look better, right? His yards, everything like that. Is he a great quarterback? Will he be if we're allowed to have the the stage or the stands for the Heisman? Will he be one of those final four? I believe so. But um, if I'm going to take a long shot outside of Fields or um, uh, who the hell was I just saying? Um, Trask or Jones? Jones, I'm sorry, yeah, Jones. I'm going to actually take the BYU quarterback. I'm going to take Zach Wilson as my outside guy to make it in. Um, I think once Florida starts playing a little bit better competition, he might start to show up. I think uh, if they get to the SEC championship, he's not going to have that game. And the Heisman voters, they remember what you did last. And – uh you know, Zach Wilson leads them to potential playoffs at BYU. I think that's where uh, the dark horse comes in. Yeah, I don't think he's the favorite yet. I think Joe, I think Mac Jones is still your favorite from Alabama. But I think what it's really going to come down to is the SEC title game, right? If, it, if it's Alabama versus Florida, 
and Florida finds some way to pull that off, I think you have to hand it to them at that point, uh, knocking off a what can be an undefeated Alabama team with, you know, a, a perennial uh, top 10 defense or, or at least top 25 defense. So uh, we'll see. He, he's playing lights out, though. The Gators look good. And um, I don't know. We'll see. But speaking of Justin Fields, he's got his toughest game of the year this week. And it's up against who would have ever thought that those those two words would be used in the same sentence, toughest and Indiana. But Indiana looks good, undefeated so far, top 10 ranking. What you got? So I always love the underdog. I always love the small school, right? I hope that the Indiana Hoosiers coach, I don't even know his name, I hope he pulls out the Hoosiers basketball movie and takes a tape measure and go, look, 10 yards is 10 yards. It's the same everywhere you play. I hope he pulls that out in his uh, pregame speech. But um, if I had a bet straight up, no points, I'm going Ohio State. But who I'm rooting for? Absolutely Indiana. I'll even wear the ugly red and white pinstripes that Indiana, the mascot wears. I'll, I'll do that. Um, cause I like to have those small schools upset those big schools. Um, so my heart, Indiana, my head, Ohio state. Yeah, I think it's Ohio state and I don't think it's going to be close. I really don't. I, I think they'll win by two scores and I don't think it'll even feel that close. I just think Ohio state's the better team. And, and I mean, Hey, I, I would love for them to prove me wrong. Because I can't stand Ohio State in the interest of full disclosure. I don't. I don't know who who's not from the state of Ohio that actually roots for Ohio State. But uh, yeah, I, I I just don't see it happening. Uh, I see Ohio State winning big. Um, in other Big Ten news, and I'll I'll spare the listeners because I know we've we've talked about Michigan every week, and at this point, it's just I don't know if there's any Michigan fans who are listening. But if there are, I, I feel very bad for you. But another. Or if anybody Harbaugh fan is listening, because we've been tearing up the Harbaugh's for weeks as well. Yeah, big khaki fans. But another another <laughs> loss in the in the conference. Uh, they got Rutgers and Penn State next. Is Jim Harbaugh there beyond those two games if he loses? I don't know how people are right now in Michigan saying, "Oh no, he's not on the hot seat. He's our coach forever. We we're gonna ride and die with him." I don't know how. Um, if he loses to Rutgers this week, he should be, like, fired on the spot. Like, they should literally put him, like, in some kind of torture device in the top of the of the stadium and just be like, you lost to Rutgers. He has some of the greatest recruiting classes ever. Like, every year he has a wonderful recruiting class. Normally he can't win a big game. This year, he can't win a game. So if you lose the Rutgers, Rutgers is playing good this year. They're not a top four team in the Big Ten. So if you lose to them, and now Rutgers has two more wins than you in the Big Ten, yes, goodbye, goodbye. Take off your pants, your khakis, take off your your big-ass mask that you wear over the mic. Never saw that before. Um, and just, yeah, get rid of him. Um, his brother should get fired just for even being related to him. Um, because that's how bad that Michigan team is with the talent they have. Uh, yeah. For those of you who are just listening and not watching, I can't stop laughing. I can't follow that up. I, I, I'll just leave, I'll just leave it there. (laughs) Great points all across the board. Um, all right. This is exciting. We have our first. NBA action, albeit not on the court, but uh, first NBA discussion so far on, on the Sports Snob podcast. And um, the Suns making uh, a pretty big move, acquiring Chris Paul in exchange for a few different players, Kelly Oubre and, I don't know, another two players who obviously are not on the same tier as Chris Paul, but uh, let's talk about Uber is a good player and they got a draft pick. So it's not a horrible trade. He's good, but he's no Chris Paul. And I, what, what do you think? Do, do, 
What do you think about the Suns? Are are they legitimate contenders? Is does this make them a threat? Does this put them over that threshold? It it really depends, right? So um, it depends on what happens with the draft, with free agency, with other trades. Um, there's a lot of talk that Booker wants to go to Minnesota to you know play with uh, one of his Kentucky people that I happen to be familiar with. Um, so it really depends on what happens with them and um, what happens around the league. I mean, Anthony Davis opted out. Everybody says he's going to sign back with the Lakers, but what if he doesn't? Uh, what if Portland makes a move? Um, Utah, what if they make a move? Um, they played great in the bubble. They they were not good before the bubble. They played great in the bubble. Um, could they replicate that? Does the team stay together? And what other parts do they add and or lose uh, prior to that? So on paper today, as the division stands, I absolutely have them in the playoffs. Um, do I have them as a top four? Probably not. Uh, Booker and Paul, I'm interested to see how they play together because they're both similar size, play a similar style of play, and um, who's the two guard, who's the point? Obviously, Booker, they're saying, is going to be the two guard, but uh, it'll be interesting. And I think losing... Um, the pieces that they lost in that trade, while they're not dynamic stars, they were definitely very good role players. So now you're relying on two guards and a center. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I, I think it was a good move for them, depending on what happens. Yeah, they were the best team in the bubble, right, before, obviously, the playoffs played out. But in the playoffs. Nobody expected them to go as far as they did in that series. They played sure. very well, um, very talented, a young team. Uh, now they got a little bit older, a lot older with Chris Paul. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out, uh, especially because you're hearing it's a shortened training camp. So like football, how do they mesh? How do they do all that? So yeah. it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I don't think they're a top four, top five barely even a top six in the West, honestly. I think it's going to take time. I, I could see them making the playoffs seven seed. I think they'll be a threat in the playoffs, but I don't see them really doing too much in the regular season as far as finishing top four. I think they're kind of just recreating, to your point, having those two ball handlers, something similar to what Houston had, or should I say has. I don't know what to say at this point because uh, it's it, from all the reports that I'm seeing, although he's under contract, it seems like James Harden – might be moved before the season, potentially to the Nets. I, what are your uh, What are your thoughts on what What are you hearing and where he might be going? So the Rockets offered Harden, uh, I think it was a hundred three million dollar extension for two years. He was like, "No, I want to go to the Nets." Uh, if I was in the front office, I'd be like, "Okay, that sucks because you just publicly announced you want to go to the Nets." I have no leverage to get anything from the Nets in return from you. So what I would do, the type of person I am, for those of you that know me, I'd be like, okay, James, uh, guess what? We traded you to the Hornets. To the Hornets. Enjoy Charlotte, my friend. Uh, that's what we're going to do. You don't want to be here? We trade you to the Hornets. We're going to get great draft picks from the Hornets because you're not going to win 20 games with the Hornets. Um, so we'll get great draft picks. And then at that point, you have to move Russell because now you're rebuilding and you just try to get the best package for Russell. But, um, it's the Anthony Davis thing, right? He says he wants to go to the Lakers. They have no leverage with the Lakers. Eventually they stayed with Davis for a year and, uh, they traded him to the Lakers. They got a good package back. Um, they also had the number one pick to get Zion, which helped them. So, you know, maybe Houston does that. They uh, get rid of everybody, get some picks back, get the number one pick of their own, and uh, just rebuild and go from there. But if that happens, you got to get rid of the coach because 
Their coach plays the old style where it's three ball. I shouldn't say old style, but the running gun, no big man. Um, you got to have a big man. It's been shown in the playoffs. You got to have a big man, and you can't rely on the three. Live and die by the three. Um, even Golden State didn't live and die by the three. They had Durant. They had Dream on Green who would go inside in the playoffs. So uh, that that's what I'm thinking about the Rockets. Yeah, it's just frustrating to see how much power these players have in the NBA, how they could just basically create their own teams. And it just it essentially it, it ruins five years of basketball in some, in some cases. And by ruin, I mean, yeah, it's still entertaining. But, I mean, if you have the three best players, like let's say the reports to the Nets are accurate, right? If the Nets make a play for that and the Rockets say, screw it, we're done, we don't want to be frustrated. And you have Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. And with, I mean, I'm assuming the Nets will have to move some of those role players that they have, but they have some solid role players, uh, Joe Harris, Karis LeVert. So, I mean, they're easily the, the best team in the East, and they may be the best team in the entire NBA. And just like that, the East is, again, you know, run by one team. So it's just frustrating to see. I agree with you. I, I think you should just trade them to a bad team. The players having too much power. So – a report I read was that uh, Harden was in L.A. with Durant and Kyrie Irving, and they were talking about playing together. That's not collusion. But yet, I believe a year ago, two years ago, Magic Johnson got caught for collusion when somebody said, would you want this player on your team? And as an executive, he said, absolutely, I'd want him on my team. That's collusion versus three guys in COVID sitting in a house talking about how are we going to get the play together? So the NBA rules are, are ridiculous when it comes to that. Yeah. It's incredible that, that it still goes on and, and that more teams don't, I guess, I don't know what you could do, but boycott to some extent and say, Hey, this is getting out of hand for the small market cities that are never going to land three big stars, let alone two, unless they're well, drafting them and, and they, are doing collusion charges against the players, not just the executives. That that's how you fix that, right? You would think. I mean, we'll see. This 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 trade will be absolutely crazy if it actually occurs. But moving on from the NBA, we move to golf and the Masters this past weekend. And I it was I watched a little bit. I'm not the biggest golf fan, but you watch it here and there and it's kind of kind of background noise for the first two rounds. I won't lie. And then you see, take a look Saturday and you see Dustin Johnson just running away with it. And then Sunday it was, you didn't even have to watch. So he's, he's the best golfer in the world, but was this the greatest master's performance in history? Absolutely not. Not even close, dude. Um, this is a practice round. There's no fans. You're not going to A-man corner, hearing the roars of, you know, Tiger, Rory, whoever it is behind you, and going, oh, my God, what just happened, and putting pressure on yourself. This is you, your caddy, and a little white ball just going out for practice. I can hit 80 to 90% of my jump shots, even at the age I'm at right now, in practice. In a game, I can't. Uh, the difference between golf and other sports is that when there's no crowds, the players actually benefit. In other sports, the players are at a disadvantage because they can't feed off of the crowd. So in golf, you don't want to hear that noise. Hell, they put up a quiet sign whenever you go to hit the ball. They want silence. Um, so not having that pressure of, you know, oh my God, I'm about to hit the 16th hole, uh, you know, at Augusta and you hear a roar behind the crowd and you're like, oh my God, did somebody pick up a stroke on me? Did somebody do that? Was it a phenomenal performance and a great score? Absolutely. Could I say it's the greatest ever? No. Uh, the greatest ever are where the player comes from behind. There's a great crowd out there. Uh, but when you're leading from, you know, Thursday to Sunday, it's not the greatest masters. It's not the greatest performance. It's a great, um, it, it's an incredible performance, but not the greatest masters ever. I want to see somebody under stress 
that wins it to call it the greatest Masters. Yeah, good points, but I I think it is the greatest performance ever, and especially because first of all, everyone's playing on the same. It's the same playing field, right? There's no, there's no noise for everyone, so I, I hear your point. But if everyone's kind of going dealing with the same environment, same setting, then I think that's it's it just holds a little less water that argument. But the fact that he had COVID only weeks ago, recovers from COVID, goes out and finishes with the the lowest score. In the history of the Masters, I think that's just—it's—it's it's impressive. It's but just conditions are different at the Masters. They talked all week about how it's now more Bermuda grass than it was, uh, I believe, rye grass. So it's a totally different course. So you can't compare his score to what somebody did in previous Masters, where it was a different course, different weather. Um, so. Obviously, I give him credit. I picked him to win. You picked him to win. My buddy Louis Ostisen did pretty well. So, you know. Yeah, we'll we'll, uh, we'll see what happens next. But I, I, I real quick, uh, your thoughts on Tiger Woods? Should he just call it quits, take some time off, <laughs> reconsider things? You know what? Golf again is different than other sports. You're not measured by your last six tournaments in golf like you are as a quarterback in football or a boxer or a basketball player, right? In golf, it's like, oh, my God, you won how many majors, how many tournaments? Um, the only thing that ruins Tiger Woods' legacy is that IHOP waitress that he banged. That's the only thing that hurts his legacy and, and his image. That's it. He can lose for the rest of his life. And everybody will still say he's one of the greatest. But the IHOP waitress, yeah, man, bad choice. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, yeah. On that note, <laughs> uh, we'll move on to, to, to boxing, which we haven't talked about yet, similar to the NBA, but big fight this past weekend, big card this past weekend. But uh, one of the, the bigger fights, uh, Crawford versus Brooke. Crawford comes out on top, remains undefeated. Uh, via the fourth round TKO, um, which I know was, I mean, people had picked him to win, but I guess fourth round, uh, pretty dominant performance, very impressive. But is it time for him to possibly face off with some greater boxers, maybe Manny Pacquiao? All right. So, yes, he has to fight better boxers. I don't know if there are better boxers in that division. Manny Pacquiao? No. Dude is a hundred years old. I don't even know if he's fighting anymore. Let him stick to his singing career and his politics over in the Philippines. Let him stay there. Uh, as I mentioned, Tiger Woods won't be judged by his last few fights. You put Manny Pacquiao in there against Crawford. He gets knocked out before the fourth round. Um, and it will tarnish his career. Because boxing, they look at how you end your career. So no, uh, he has to get better competition, but I think boxing as a whole has to get more competitors in there. They're losing a lot of people to the UFC, um, so they got to get better competitors in there. That's just my two cents. I know uh, coming up soon we'll have uh, John Moreshka uh, and his buddy Jay doing a boxing show. Uh, he called it Crawford in the seventh round by decision. He was off by three, but uh, – you know, pretty damn close. So look forward to that show. Yeah, definitely. Definitely check it out. And like you mentioned, uh, boxing, losing losing fighters to UFC, perhaps. Uh, another UFC event this past weekend. Uh, one, well, I didn't, I didn't watch. I know you watched. You were texting me throughout. And one impressive knockout. I can't even call it a fight, right, because it lasted 30 seconds. But one impressive knockout. Chaos Williams. I mean, perfect name. Knocks out Al Hassan in 30 seconds. His his last two fights, he's he's won in a combined. He's less than 60 seconds via the knockout. It's 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 ridiculous. And the quote the quote of the event, the quote of the fight uh, afterwards, it's not personal. It's just punishment. I mean, I wouldn't want to fight this guy. What were your thoughts on watching this? You know what? He's a great talent. He's only fought two times in the UFC. He hasn't fought great competition. Yes, he knocked them both out 27 seconds and 30 seconds. Uh, the knockout, unbelievable. 
I was watching it. Uh, unbelievable knockout. The dude was still on the canvas in the interview, okay? And I'm not talking about the in-ring interview. I'm talking about when he went backstage and had an interview with Bisbing. The dude was still laid out on the canvas. Um, he felt like a board. He was stiff. I was worried about him, but he walked out of the ring under his own power. But uh, I want to see Chaos Williams now step up in competition. Uh, we talked about Crawford now having to get some of that competition, but for Chaos Williams, that competition is there in that division. So when he starts moving up the ranks and seeing people who uh, are names in the UFC, I want to see if he can uh, continue that because no UFC fighter can rely only on their power in the first minute. They got to have grappling. They got to have wrestling. They got to have jujitsu uh, and submission defenses. Uh, don't know if he has that. He's only fought 57 seconds and it's all him punching the guy's lights out. So uh, it'll be interesting to see. I'm rooting for the guy, um, but you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, and it sounded like Dana White had kind of the same same thoughts in saying uh, he was impressed, obviously, based on his interview. And, and I think he kind of alluded to the fact that um, they got to get him involved in some some bigger fights, bigger competition, uh, more notable opponents who who have kind of proven themselves. So give him an opportunity to prove himself. But it sounds like he he is certainly up for the task. So we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully big things come from him because, I mean, he's exciting to watch. He's a freak athlete and with knockouts like that. Um, good luck to, to all his opponents, but on that note, that's, that's all the coverage we have for this week. That's our show. Um, please check us out, subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Twitter at sports, Pat, at sports, Snobcast. share, uh, with your friends, your family, get everyone involved, uh, give us some feedback, what you think of the show, check us out on YouTube, all that good stuff. So, um, again, Great, great recording the podcast with you, Brian, and uh, I'll let you close it out. Any other, any other thoughts? No, I, I really like the new format of uh, you leading. I thought you did a great job. So uh, I think we're gonna stay with this, man. I don't, I don't know. Uh, everybody, tell us what you think. Should I be the host? Should Pat be the host? I'm saying Pat, but I'm gonna uh, need, I'm gonna need a bigger contract if that's the case. <laughs> All right, I'll give you two beers a week. There you go. That'll work. All right, thanks everyone. We'll we'll uh we'll see you Saturday or yeah, Saturday for our uh NFL pick show. So make sure you you tune in. I don't think anyone's doing a shot this week because we tied unless we're both doing one. So um, I, I say both. I say both in a tie. All right, all the more reason to tune in.